0: The presenting sponsor of Moon Tower Soccer is FVF Law. To find out what makes FVF a different kind of injury law firm, you can visit fef.law. Hello
1: friends, thanks for listening to Moon Tower Soccer. This week we're going to cover the final two matches of the year and we'll also take a walk through the roster and make some predictions about who is staying and who is going. My name is Landon Cottom and I'm joined as always by Mr. Jeremiah Bentley. Hey everybody, I'm
0: Jeremiah Bentley and Landon, I've been asked by my wife and others, are we going to keep doing shows during the offseason? <laughs> and I like to remind them that we did shows for like, what, 18 months when we didn't, didn't even have a team at all. And we were reading through meeting minutes of Gracie Woods Neighborhood Association meeting. So I feel like, yes, absolutely. We will be here all offseason long. And we very much appreciate those of you that have been a part of this and will continue to be along this journey with us.
1: Yes, absolutely. Thanks so much for, uh, for all of your support for listening to the show. It's, uh, yeah, it's, we would maybe be doing this if nobody was listening, but it's, it's really, it's really great to know that there are people listening and that we've, uh, had more and more people listening since 18 months ago. when we were talking about Rodney Redes as the only player (laughs) and, And so, yeah, thanks so much for sticking with us. Uh, And yeah, like Jeremiah said, still going to be lots to talk about in the next three months. Like probably a lot like in the offseason. Like it's going to happen fast. We have about three months until the next Austin FC game and probably several roster changes. Uh, Some weird MLS news is bound to happen at some point. So yeah, there's there's going to be a lot to talk about. I'm not worried about filling time in the next three months. So, um, yeah, stay tuned. We're we're not gonna we're not gonna stop doing this. And
0: that's the, probably the first bit of news I think, is we just learned when the season would officially start. Right? It's uh, February twenty sixth. Twenty sixth, yeah. Which is just was it three three months away? So it's yeah. In a week, maybe. So it is not a long time until we will do this again. And like you said, there's a lot that is going to happen between now and then. And we're going to sort of get into where we think we are and where we would like us to be later on in this show. So that'll be um, an exciting journey. And and given like how the season ended, I think talking about the future is probably the thing that everybody wants to do more than rehashing 2021.
1: Yeah, I know. I'm kind of looking forward to it, like getting back into that uh, roster speculation form. Uh, It was a lot of fun the first time around, and I think it's going to be fun this time around, too. Uh, I know on the end of the last episode, we said we were going to be talking to Phil West about the playoffs, but we kind of didn't realize that the playoff schedule wouldn't be out yet. Um, That should be out soon, I would imagine, but we're going to push that until next week. Uh, The playoffs don't start until the weekend after that, so we'll have Phil on next week. And this week, instead, we're going to talk about which Austin FC players we expect to still be here and which ones we expect maybe won't be here for the 2022 season. Uh, But before we jump into that, we're going to talk about the sporting Kansas city match and the Portland match. So let's jump into the, the sporting KC match real quick. Yeah. So we knew we expected going into that, that we were going to see some
0: rotation and wondered about what kind of lineup we would get. And I think everybody, um, was a little bit worried about who we might see and where they might be because we had Beisler continuing to be out. We had Romagna officially out. I mean, and it was a dire situation at, at center back, um, actually across the back line for sure, um, which a lot of people worried about. But it turned out we got a creative lineup and one that paid out for us.
1: Yeah, and it was even weirder right at the game because Nick Lima was slated to start. And a few minutes before the game started, uh, they made an announcement that John Gallagher would be starting instead of Nick Lima. And so that put us, by my count, at two defenders on this in the starting 11. And so uh, it was Kolmanich and Cascante with Alex Ring next to Cascante at center back, John Gallagher playing right back, which he has actually done in his career. I think for uh, his early MLS days with Atlanta United 2, played a lot of right back there. He played some right wing back. Uh, in it was in, he was played in Scotland, right? Um right. We we two two episodes in a row where we're getting Ireland Sc- and Scotland, Scotland and Ireland up a yeah, little bit. I know. Uh, but he is Irish, but played in Scotland, and so he was playing some right wing back in Scotland, and so he's no, not a stranger to that position. But he has gone on the record saying that he doesn't really like playing there. Uh, but Josh Wolf said that whenever Nick Lima was feeling a little bit of tightness in his groin that John Gallagher's hand went straight up and said, I'll do it. Put me in. And so uh, he ended up having a really good game there too. Like, I don't know if I heard some people like saying like, Oh, maybe we should keep Gallagher on and play him as a right back. I was like, eh, hold on a second. I don't know about that, but he's, he he's no Nick game. Lima. Yeah. He, but he, yeah. He was okay. <laughs> um, yeah. And then the rest of the, I guess the other surprise in the lineup was uh, Jared Stroud starting on the right wing which we haven't seen a ton of him lately. So I, I was at least a little surprised there. And Jared Stroud ended up having a fantastic game too. Yeah, and we weren't expecting that, right? Because we, we've
0: we talked about how he's his form has really dipped um, as the season has gone on. And for so for Hinderberg, cover was amazing. And so and also, I was really cold. Uh, he was very that. cold. How did, <laughs> how did you feel about that? And we talked, you know, I had a lot of people, um, well, one, I had to buy my son a hoodie which they were killing it at the concession, you know, at the uh, at the merchandise stand, like inside the stadium. Yeah. There was a lot of $80 hoodies that had like sat on the, on the racks for forever that suddenly everybody wanted to have. But, you know, that's, that was one of the intentional things about the stadium design when we talked to Jonathan Emmett was that they left those big open corners to let air flow through, which is good, really, really good most of the year, but was not good for fan comfort on that night for sure.
1: Yeah, in my seats, you definitely feel a breeze if there is one. And every other game, I've like thoroughly enjoyed that breeze, but it wasn't so much the case <laughs> this night. But it was like, yeah, proper cold. I was shivering by the end of the game.
0: Uh, you want to talk about some of the uh, stats? Because I think this will this will touch on. Um, you had this somewhere. So uh, in in the notes, the possession battle, which we lost sixty two to thirty eight to Sporting KC, you know, is um. Something that has happened now multiple times when we've had a good outcome.
1: Yeah, yeah. So fewer possession, but then expected goals was uh, 2.43 to 0.56 in Austin's advantage. Each team had 13 shots. Austin had five shots versus Kansas City's four shots. But judging by that expected goals total, Austin's shots were clearly higher quality than than any of uh, KC's were. And the, the Jeremiah Bentley stat here, seven of thirteen shots were from inside the box, which uh, and all three of the goals were from inside the box. So again, if we get shots inside the box, we're gonna win. That's what it comes down to. Although it was a little bit
0: lower than it has been in some other games. So we appreciated that. I mean, the first shot in the box came to be is that the earliest goal in Austin F C history? Is that what it we got? Is.
1: Yeah. It was like thirty fifth second or something like that. Um but yeah, very early goal. It was uh Sebastian Driussi was the one who finished it but the the run of play there was uh Jean Colemanich was driving into the box to make a defender kind of make a decision dishes it wide to Diego Diego crosses it across the box to Stroud at the back post Stroud heads it back across to the other far post uh where Driussi runs in and heads it off the post and into the into the goal for like you said the the earliest goal in Austin FC history uh, yeah. And then also, uh, Diego set a record with with that goal too, didn't he?
0: Yeah, so he became the second youngest player to hit, reach fifty goals and fifty assists in league history. Um, and that was the, the other
1: being Landon Donovan being the youngest. Okay, that's, that's that.
0: okay. I was gonna, I'm just like, I need to look that up. But yeah, that's a good person to be uh, lined up with. And that was the uh, what do we call it? The hockey assist, right? Is what Diego got there. That's right. With the yeah. with the second assist, but yeah, good for him. And so the Stroud, so that Stroud ball. Like does that count as a pass in your brain? I mean,
1: I think it was. You think he was trying to pass it off his head? I think he was. Yeah, yeah I think but the angle it was at, I feel like it was an assist. It, I don't know that he was necessarily watching for Jrueci there, but <laughs> cuz Jrueci kind of ran in out of nowhere to finish it, but GT uh, was there in the middle. I was watching Gta to see if he did anything special there and he he didn't do anything special really, but just by being there, those center backs were having to shuffle back and forth to mark him to make sure he didn't get on the end of one of those balls. And so uh, just having a big presence in the box helped out a little bit. And Drucy was able to sneak in on that back post and finish it. But I think it was a pass, but he could have been trying to hit it back across to that far post. I, I don't know if it, it wasn't far off from the goal really. So he could have been trying to score.
0: Yeah. It looked like a pass originally to me. And then when I, we went back and when I, when I went back and rewatched the, um, you know, we watched it. I was like, I was, I was not exactly sure if it was, but Hey, sometimes you just got to put a ball somewhere toward frame and hope good things happen. And they yeah, and
1: in any case, juicy's uh, awareness to get there and put it in was, was excellent. Um, second goal comes in the 22nd minute. It was Julio Cascante. Uh, so this one was from a free kick, pretty, pretty long distance, like 40, 50 yards. Would you say it was pretty far out there off near the, the left sideline? And John Kolmanich takes it, whips it in with a ton of curve, a really beautiful cross in from that uh, that free kick. Julio Cascante is running towards the back post and does a really good job of like looking up and noticing where the ball was and kind of leaning his body back in a really bizarre position. But plays it. It kind of looked like it came off comes off of his face, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really. I didn't appreciate that on the first watch either. Exactly how
1: the movement he made and like how how he got to that ball. It looked a little bit accidental, uh, on a couple of angles, but if you watch the angle they showed on the, in the broadcast where they showed several angles of it, it was intentional to, to get a touch on the ball and did really well just to even get to it. And that's all it needed was a touch from with, with that cross that Jean put, uh, that Jean put in.
0: Yeah. So then we re- we reached halftime, uh, excited, rocking. I appreciated the, uh, supporter section and the fact that they kept throwing beer and, Water during Cuervos, even though it was freezing
1: cold. <laughs> yeah.
0: And my son was very happy to be outside of that section now. Um, and then we the got
1: supporters a supporter section was rocking that night. They were excellent. I thought that was maybe the best they've been all season or like one of the best that they've been all season. It was a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. And I was talking to Dallas Teston before the game and he was worried that it was just going to be us because it's like a Wednesday night and we have nothing to play for. But really, the crowd was pretty good overall in terms of showing up. And yeah, yeah, definitely supporter section rocked. And then as the game went on, I mean, the whole stadium got into it. You know, they were standing by the second half for sure.
1: Yeah. So uh, second half, the third goal comes in the 60th minute. And this was a really nice finish from Jared Stroud once again. So Diego Fagundes is uh, is running at goal, looking up, trying to find an option, plays it through a few SKC players to find Stroud in the box. And Stroud just kind of—I know he's—we've criticized him several times this year for kind of hesitating and being indecisive on things. This time, it seemed like a unintentional hesitation, and was going to make Tim Melia, the keeper, make a decision. And Melia kind of comes and comes and goes down, and Stroud strikes it right as Melia is going down to his left, and he plays it over Melia's right side to the to the far post. It's a really nice nice finish to the back post there.
0: Yeah, so. And then KC, I was gonna say KC got one back from Johnny Russell, who we talked about. He was the other confusion between Ireland and Scotland. And so Scottish player Johnny Russell uh got one back at 65 that made it three three one. Do you want to talk yeah, about really, that
1: goal a little bit? Yeah, really nice header from Russell there, but I think Jean got caught sleeping a little bit on that back post. He if you watch it, he checks his shoulder and sees that Russell is there, but he's not very close to him and then turns around and doesn't look at him again for several seconds. Like he's it's Johnny Russell. He's not just going to stand over there. And, uh, the, uh, a good cross gets played in and Russell just beats, uh, beats Kolmanich to the ball there and gets in front of him, gets ahead on it and puts it past the So really good work from Johnny Russell, but, uh, John should have been more aware of who it was behind his shoulder and know that he was not just going to stand there and let him head the ball away. Um so overall excellent outing from Austin FC like we said John Gallagher played a really good game at right back uh his speed made him really useful in transition defense uh, he was took a beating during that game uh with so the front three was it started off with um Daniel Shalowei on the left on uh on Gallagher's side Russell on the right and Kyrie Shelton at the nine but they all kind of moved around at various points in the game I think all three of them played in all three positions and at several points in the game it was John Gallagher versus Kyrie Shelton who's a big dude Johnny Russell who is not a small dude and they were intentionally going after going after Gallagher and just battering him throughout the game and at one point Russell decks Gallagher on a like an aerial duel and Gallagher goes down and is grabbing his arm. And we found out later on that he has some ligament damage in his arm. So he didn't get to play in the Portland game, but, uh, Gallagher was, he was a warrior in that game. And I was, I was really proud of the way that he played.
0: Yeah. He, yeah, he was really impressive overall. Um, yeah. And stood up, stood up under a lot of, a lot of pressure. So, uh, you know, I think player wise, we could probably just, there were a couple of substitutions of note that I think we should probably cover. um, one that I, I was talking to you before about was uh Cecilio was like training, like warming up on the sidelines in like a full, like, I don't know, like three layers, like a full on coat. <laughs> like he did not look like a guy that was very excited to go in. And then he, he, he ended up going in in the 76 minute for Stroud. I mean, he looked decent for the time that he was in there, I thought. Yeah, I thought so too. And then the other one was Owen Wolf, which I didn't honestly didn't realize watching it until like i was reading twitter afterward that he got just a tiny bit of playing time at the
1: very end yeah he i mean it was very little time with the game that was over already but he looked all right and he got he got kind of banged around too But he like it looked it was like the kind of way that he was probably bragging about after the game like oh did you see russell take (laughs) me down or whatever (laughs) like uh like i think he probably enjoyed that a little bit but it was yeah it was good to see him get a little run out there
0: yeah, and I, I tweeted this too. So, like when Wolf and uh, Burhalter were warming up during the first half, I believe that you add their ages together, you get one Beasler. Is that right?
1: <laughs> yeah, that sounds right.
0: Yeah, so we got to, I think everybody has to agree that we got an unexpected result out of that Wednesday night match. Um, and, you know, and had to wonder going into the last match of the year what we could take away from it. Um, one thing, because we talked about, uh, was it last show that we had. had Three wins and three losses in six matches, which is a pretty good run of form for us, this yeah. put us at this put us at four and four in the last eight going into the final match, which you know depending on how Portland turns out, could have put us like basically in the best stretch of the whole season at the end um and then also we have this this winning streak thing sitting out there where we have not won consecutive matches since the second and third games of the year, and so I felt like there was a lot of enthusiasm going into Portland um. That was probably unfounded now, and <laughs> we should get into that
1: <laughs> yeah. just a little bit.
0: I don't think we want to belabor it too much. I, don't, I think, you know, judging from a lot of people on Twitter and our discussion before, we don't need to delabor this Portland outing because it was kind of a disaster and
1: doesn't mean that much in the context of the season. But, uh, yeah, let's talk about that one. All right, so uh, before we move on, one other thing, like talking about takeaways, one thing that we took away was first place from Sporting Kansas City. Oh, that's and, true. Uh, I don't. Could they still have? So they ended up losing the next game as well to RSL. RSL snuck into the playoffs there. If they had beaten us and then still lost that one, they probably wouldn't have been in first anyway, right? I d- I don't know
0: where that would have ended up, but you know, and I saw that the VAR was it no, uh, was it Pro had to put out an apology for the result of that game yeah. today.
1: Yeah. So maybe I mean, it wouldn't have affected. KC a ton. Maybe they could have still snuck into first, but um, but yeah, RSL probably wouldn't have made the playoffs without the decision. So that's that's pretty interesting. Uh, sorry, I sidetracked us there. Let's move on to that Portland game. So um, lineup here was still a little bit weird because Johan was still out, so we knew we were going to be short defenders. Gallagher, out. And then Nick Lima, still out. So the back line for this game ended up being
0: This is Jimenez and um, Coleman, on the wing on the outside and then uh, Cascante and ring in the middle. That's right.
1: And then uh, Danny Pereira was also a last minute scratch. He traveled with the team, ended up not even being in the 18 and Wolf at the end of the game ended up saying that he was mentally, physically not prepared to take part in this game or something like that. It was it was really kind weird. of an interesting way to put it. So I'm not really sure what the deal was, but in any case he was deemed not to be fit to play in this game. So little Sebastian Burhalter gets the start alongside Pochettino in the midfield. And then we got Fagundes, Drucy and Stroud and GTA up top, the same front four as as in the sporting Kansas city game. And uh, we're a little bit surprised to not see Cecilio in this game. You kind of thought maybe that with the game before it was a little bit of rotation and resting him. Um, and Wolf said in the post game press conference that it was due to form. And like, it was a performance thing why he didn't start the other game. And because this front four had performed so well that he was going to give them another run out. So, uh, fair enough, play the hot hands, but, uh, a little bit interesting to, to see Cecilio being intentionally sat two games in a row. Yeah. And that
0: was the first question in the post game press conference, I think from.
1: From From bills, Bills. from Chris. Bills Yeah. Who
0: asked him about it. And it is, I mean, I think Chris maybe went a little far because Chris is like, I don't know if he asked, like, will we see Ceci- we will we see Cecilia on the team next year or not? Which I don't I guess we'll get into that in a little bit. But I mean, I don't think that there's like the threat of cutting Dominguez loose or not. But uh, yeah, it's twice, twice in a row. He's sad.
1: And Wolf but said that, like, yeah, Cecilia's in the plan. Yeah. And in, he in said plans he plans for next year. He said
0: he said like he's still one of our best players or something. I think if I remember right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So getting into stats for this game, it was, we had 61% possession and I was looking this up. was like, it seems like in the last several games that we've looked really good, we've not had a ton of possession. And in the last four wins that we've had, so those four wins you referenced earlier, we have had less possession than our opponents. I think one of them, uh, the RSL game, which is a really good performance from Austin we had more possession most of the time but just barely and then towards the end we were kind of just letting them kick the ball around and so they ended up going ahead of us there but even in that game where we were ahead most of the time it was only by a few percentage points it wasn't by 30 points or whatever so uh yeah interesting stat there that we it seems like we look better when we don't have a ton of the ball and are playing a bit more in transition so uh maybe something wolf should do some thinking about in the off season as he's setting up this possession style because I honestly, I like watching possession soccer. I think it's fun to watch, but this team clearly this specific team, this specific set of players apparently do a little bit better. when we'd have less of the ball. Um, Other stats to look at was expected goals is 3.49 to Austin's 0.55. This is the most damning one I think is the shots. So Portland had 22 shots. Austin had six. I think do you remember what the uh, shots on goal was? I think we had two. That sounds right. I
0: don't remember exactly what it was, but yeah, they were. We did not have very many quality
1: attempts at all, in, in and and Portland one. had a lot. They ended up zero to three in favor of Portland. It could have been four 0 by halftime.
0: And that's another one of those where we give up three goals, and you're like, oh, Brad Stuver was our best player, even though he gave a bunch of he gave up a, a bunch of goals. So yeah, it was. It was nine to four on target, so it wasn't quite as bad. Okay, as we, as we thought. but yeah, it was it was a rough night all the
1: way around.: um, So the first goal came in the 17th minute. Uh, Driussi, we're playing the ball out of the back. Driussi plays kind of a careless pass out wide to Cascante. Cascante gets to the ball first, uh, but instead of just booting it and kicking it long. He tries to like do a little skip dribble past their winger who picks his pocket, takes it, they cross it in. And uh Dreusi, who played the the errant pass there, I think Cascante could have fixed that, right? But he didn't. Uh Dreusi's tracking the runner who ends up scoring. And as he gets past our back line, he just stops. And that guy runs in behind. And when the cross comes back in, he's unmarked at the back post. And and scores the goal. So Drusy messed up not once but twice in that play. But Cascante could have fixed it <laughs> with with uh, instead of trying to dribble around a guy, just boot it long. Um, second goal was just before halftime. We were watching this this game at the, the Los Ferries watch party, and Adrian Healy, like in the forty third minute, said something about like Austin's biggest goal will be to to keep the lead from growing before halftime. And I was like, okay, they're definitely going to score now. (laughs) Like Two (laughs) minutes later, uh, another really bad defensive play from Austin. So, uh, Jean, they're playing, again, playing the ball out from the back. Uh, Jean Kolmanich is being a little bit indecisive. Jimmy Chara comes up and just bullies him, takes the ball away, plays a quick cross in. And so Cascante, whenever they win the ball back, Cascante is a little bit slow to come and mark Niasgoda. Uh, Stuver is maybe, it would have had been a quick reaction, but I think Stuver probably could have reacted a bit better and been in a better position to either catch that cross or to be closer to his to his goal at that point. Um, but he's Niazgota is in really good spot, just sitting there waiting. Chara plays in that quick cross and he actually chests the ball into the goal scores a goal with his was his chest or his shoulder. So really good awareness by Niazgota there, but uh Austin should have done a lot better. Then the third one comes in the fifty third minute. Um this is on I believe we give the ball away again here. I can't remember who Yeah, we do. Gave I don't remember who away. it was.
0: Yeah, but we did. We give the ball away. And there's this great uh, like there's a great couple frames that somebody posted online of like six guys standing around two
1: players and yes, nobody I, on Blanco. <laughs> I saw that I saw that frame and it's a little misleading to what happens. So Ring was the the farthest so it's Blanco with the, ends up with the ball driving at three Austin FC defenders. Niazgoda is running towards the back post. Ring is the farthest, I guess the closest player to Niazgoda. And he's essentially playing a passing lane. He's not marking Niazgoda, but he's playing a passing lane. Uh, Blanco plays the ball through some guys over to Niazgoda. The way that Ring played it is he tries to cut the pass out and sticks the leg out to cut the pass out and misses. If he cuts it out, he's the hero, right? And that's right. where he was positioned to do, but he misses, therefore, leaving Niazgota one-on-one with Stuver. Niazgota tries to chip Stuver. Stuver gets a little bit of a hand to it, and it just falls right at the back post to uh to Blanco, who continued to run and just taps it in at the back post. But if if Ring like Ring's positioning was okay if he reacts fast enough to cut out the pass or the safer thing to do would have been just to turn and run and mark niaz and then he's in decent shape but the fact that he takes the he makes the risky decision to try to cut that pass out and fails to do so and he just puts everyone else in a terrible situation there that austin really only had like we said before really only had a few chances there's a really good chance early in the game uh, i think we were already down 1-0 but uh, somebody played a little chipped ball over the top to diego running in behind and he heads it and it goes straight at the keeper, but that was a really nice play. There was one or two other chances that looked good, and that was about it.
0: Yeah. So I guess that's probably enough about this match. Do you want to cover any do we need to talk about any players here before we just kind of get into like the ultimate result? Like is there anybody uniquely who's a performance you wanna you want to
1: cover just in Portland and not in the context of the whole season? I think there's probably a couple of contrasts in performances between these two games. I think namely uh, Alex Ring and Jared Stroud. So Alex Ring against Kansas City, playing at center back, out of position, looked really good, like had a really good performance at center back there, was not necessarily the case against, uh, against Portland. There's several times where he was... I, Alex Ring seems to be the kind of guy that if something's not getting done the way he thinks it should be he just decides he's going to go and do it himself and i think he decided that about the number six position against portland where i'm playing sitter back but i don't really like how uh, pochettino and burhalter are playing so i'm just going to step up and also play the six. <laughs> right
0: well you t- just talked about like that risk he took on the goal yeah I-, I can see that too like he's got of um he's got a lot of fire and he's an emotional player and <laughs> When things are going well, that's good, and when things are going poorly, maybe that doesn't always lead to the best
1: outcomes. Yeah. So he was poor. Uh, Jared Stroud, I thought wasn't he wasn't just terrible against Portland, but it was a lot of the stuff why we started complaining about Jared Stroud early in the game, or early in the season. Uh, I don't know who coined this term, but the horseshoe of sadness was a description of how Austin played a lot early in the season, where we'd have seventy percent possession, but a lot of it was just passing it in a u-shape around the perimeter never really getting in any, any dangerous positions I think Jared Stroud has been and in this Portland game was one of the worst offenders of this and one time it led to one of the goals uh not completely his fault but like started the move to one of these goals was just like telegraphed back passes by Jared Stroud uh after the Kansas City game I even heard a few people say online like Oh, we should have been playing Stroud more all season. I was like, uh oh, Stroud played him played himself out of a starting position early in the season. But uh I didn't think he was great, especially coming off of that excellent performance against Kansas City. Um, I think another guy who didn't play great is Sebastian Burhalter Um we'll we'll talk about him a bit more in the second segment where we're discussing who is gonna stay and who might go, but I didn't think he helped his cause there any.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that for sure. And I don't know if we mentioned this on the show, but when we ran into him at the 4ATX Foundation, Gala, my wife, thought that he was like a guy that worked there. Like he was a waiter. <laughs> and I feel like he he played a little bit like a waiter who happened to have wandered onto a <laughs> soccer
1: field uh, on against Portland. All right. Anything else we want to cover before we take a break, Jeremiah? <laughs> no, let's go ahead and take a break. All right. Well, after the break, like we said before, we're going to go through every player on the roster and assess their futures with Austin FC and say whether or not we think they're going to be here. We also have uh, a player rumor and then a few other bits of news that we'll cover. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Moon Tower Soccer is brought to you by our friends at FVF Law, the official injury lawyers of Austin FC. FEF is a different kind of personal injury law
0: firm dedicated to community, transparency and client education. And we we just got our FEF uh email newsletter uh, I think yesterday maybe and I, it had the community part of it was covered well. So I wanted to bring that up. So they they covered a uh they talked about going to Cook for Ronald McDonald House Charities oh, of Texas, nice. which is a thing if if you haven't done it's like a really Rewarding experience to be able to go and like make make meals for the families, and so it was cool to F, to see FVF doing that. And I think they also um, did something with with uh, Integral Care, which is an entity that works to house, feed, and heal the homeless. And they uh, they work with that group too. So it's nice to see them actually having specific ev- examples of how they're giving back to the community.
1: All right. uh, You can go to fvf.law to find out what makes FVF a different kind of injury law firm and why understanding your legal options can dramatically change the outcome of a case. Once again, that's fvf.law. All right. I think it's time to talk about some
0: hot sauce. Let's do it. Let's talk about Teardrop Pepper Company hot sauce, which I just saw. If you live in Austin and you want Teardrop Pepper Company hot sauce, we live in South Austin. You want Teardrop Pepper Company hot sauce you can get it at Callahan's General Store, which just, I just saw that they put on Instagram, which is a it's a pretty cool little place in general. Um, but if you want to pick some up, you know, go, go down there and check that out.
1: Teardrop Pepper Company has finally created the perfect recipe right here in Austin, Texas. Their all-natural award-winning hot sauce has a delicious blend of flavor and heat, enhancing your favorite foods and leaving you wanting more.
0: So whether you like the zesty kick of golden habanero or garlicky smoothness of supreme serrano, it's the best way to spice up your... Well, no, not just Austin FC pre-match meals, but anytime you want to do it, now that
1: we have no more pre-match meals. That's right. I put it on uh, on breakfast today. We ordered Ethiopian food the other day and had this like this kind of bizarre bread stuff that came with it, and I put eggs on top of that bread and then put some some of the teardrop sauce on it. Delicious. It works with everything.
0: Yeah, Teardrop Pepper Company has two unique flavors available, and you can order from their website, teardroppepperco.com or from their social media pages, or from Callahan's, or from other places around town.
1: Use offer code GOAL, that's G-O-A-L, to save 10% off your order. Put it on everything, they'll make more. All right, we are back, and we're going to talk about every Austin SC player, and whether or not we think they're going to be here next season. So, We were kind of talking earlier about how we should break this up. We're going to come up with some kind of categories to put them into. And what we ended up with was uh, four categories. So, And it's kind of two categories with the part A and part B. But it's who's staying that we're happy about. So like they're staying and we're happy they're staying. Who's staying that we're sad about. So they're probably staying, but we don't necessarily want them to. Who do we hope? stays oh sorry who like the rest of it is going to be essentially who might leave that we hope stays and who might leave that we hope does leave and so we're going to kind of go through the list of and put categories into one of those or sorry put players into one of those four categories so we'll just go through the list that I've made and then Jeremiah you just tell me if if you had that player in a different category and we can kind of talk about why we put them where we did
0: yeah, and that sounds good. And the, the reason we can do it this way, the reason we have to do it this way, um, is that nobody really knows like the lengths or terms of any MLS contract, and we're basically right. the, for the people who are staying, we're still really kind of guessing. I mean, in a way, from from things that we've heard. But I know somebody was asking maybe maybe on Twitter or somewhere earlier, like, what do we know about where we are related to the salary cap or anything like that? And you said nobody knows. Like nobody knows. This is all speculation and some of it's very informed speculation based upon contract status, you know, and whatnot. But yeah, this should be an interesting journey through through the roster.
1: Yeah, if we had contract links, some of these would be pretty easy, right? Like, oh, this guy's contract is up and he didn't perform well this year. He's gone, but we don't know that. So, yeah, we'll we'll guess and we'll find out that we are super wrong in in a few weeks, but we'll do our best for the time being. Uh, First player I have on my list. Uh, and I'm going to start with, they're staying, and I'm happy they're staying. So this is my first category here. So the first player I have here is Johan Romagna. Any objections there?
0: No, absolutely not. And he's he's been, I just thinking back to stuff, stuff we said early in the year, I would say that I was not super excited when we signed him because it seemed like a guy that we just happened to randomly find because we were lazy at Waterney because we already had two people there. <laughs> but he's turned out to be a really good player with a lot of promise.
1: Yeah. I, the promise is the part there, like his, his, uh, trajectory over the last handful of games is, it it makes me excited for what he's going to do in the future. So, uh, next one on the list, Nick Lima, I have him in that same category. I'd be happy to see him stick around and I'm almost positive he will be here. Yeah,
0: I would, I would agree with that too. And he's, I mean, he's like, he's like a leader. He's a hard worker. Um, he does whatever you ask of him. I'm very happy to have some nickname, more Nickley in my life.
1: So this next one is a little bit more controversial maybe. Uh Julio Cascante. I'm almost positive he's going to be here next year and under certain circumstances I'm happy to have him back. What what do you think about that one?
0: I will agree with that one. I think um when he's when he's like your second center back in Paradox is somebody who's competent and knows what they're doing like when they had Matt Beasler, or hopefully some because uh, I don't know that we can expect anything out of Biesler, or hopefully some incoming you know other like reliable center back like he he he's a perfectly perfectly good option you know and he's he's threatening in, a little bit in in offense but I just think when you when you have to rely on him to be the guy like that's when he kind of fails because he's gonna yeah. make a mental mistake or two and he needs somebody
1: to help be
0: beside him to clean that up um, but overall he's a net positive
1: yeah, my exact thoughts. I I want him on the team. I think he's uh of a, a good choice in MLS for like a second choice center back or someone to kind of spell Romagna or like rotate with Romagna, be that rotation option. But if he's our nailed-on starter, our most veteran center back, that's where I'm a little less happy. But to have him on the team, if we can make some reinforcements, totally happy for him to be there. Uh, next one is an easy one. Musajite, we just paid a bunch of money for him. Promising young player, he's not going anywhere. Uh, Sebastian Driussi again, paid a bunch of bunch of money for him, worth every penny. <laughs> not going anywhere. Yeah, he's yeah, he's
0: the one. I think when you look at uh, salary so far, he's one of a couple, along with probably Brad Stuver, who you're like, whatever. We're paying him. He's worth more than that. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago, right? He's like 15th in salary in the league, but yeah. he's, you know, top 10 player.
1: Yeah. Um, the next one, I think some people were maybe afraid that he wasn't going to be in the staying category, or maybe that would be a possibility is Diego Fagundes. Uh, we've heard from a few different places now that uh, I think it was reported by, uh, what is the publication that Jorge Itaralde works for? Uh, club deportes yeah club deportes i think they reported and maybe were told this in an interview that diego's uh his contract is three years with austin fc yeah no, and it, so, it,
0: it came from his dad right who's also his agent i think Is was the source Correct.
1: yeah so i, I think we one of the things we said is like the reason diego was saying like i'm not going anywhere is, is probably because of those rumors that there were uh interest from other clubs trying to buy him, but he said he's staying. Uh, we've now have that information that he's probably in a three-year contract. So Diego is going to be here. And yeah, I, I think it's needless to say that we are happy about that. Uh, next on my list is Alex ring club captain. Uh, one of our most important players all season, not always perfect, but one of our better players. We'll be happy to see him back next year.
0: Hey, so one of the things we didn't talk about uh, in him as a player was, this question that came up about whether he would be the captain or not next year. Do you see that as a is that something teams re- reevaluate every year? Is that that seemed to be like a real hot topic on Twitter and in the press corps after the Portland game because he kind of got mad and did some stupid stuff.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's I think especially if new players come in, and so I think uh, Drewsi has made a good case for himself to become a captain, and so. Uh, I, I don't know if it's worth shaking up the locker room to take it away from him and give it to Drucy, but if ring is ever not on the field, I think Drucy should 100% be the captain and be second in line all the time. And maybe he ends up taking that role over in the future, but, um, yeah, I don't know. There, there's a lot that goes into that. It's like locker room. I don't know, just kind of the, the, the relationship stuff that goes into all of that. I'm not going to speculate or say what I even think should happen because I'm not in that locker room. And you don't know what the dynamics are there, so I'm not going to say what should happen, but it could happen. Uh, next one, Danny Pereira, not going anywhere, right? He's a promising young kid, has shown what his weaknesses are, but has also shown some really strong strengths. Uh, I think he's he's one to to keep around, and so definitely expect him next year. Uh, next one, Owen Wolf. That's an you interesting one. Yeah, he's he's going to be. Uh, so wait, well, you said an interesting one. Why do you say that? Oh, I just,
0: I just, I didn't know, we, didn't know we were the Owen part of the show already. But I mean, I think, <laughs> yeah, he'll, obviously he'll be around because he signed a first homegrown contract.
1: That's right. And so I thought it was a little if, bit, yeah. Even what, if his dad's not around, Owens, Owens
0: <laughs> he, with us. Yeah, and so he he kind of fits in the. I mean, we'll see what he what he pans out to be, but like because of their contract status, and it's the same with Pereira being a Generation Adidas player. Um. Like what, Pereira's like not on a low. He is Pereira's on a low number, right? In terms
1: like contract wise, because of his status. Uh, I mean, he's. I mean, his no, his his money is only a hundred thousand. So I think it's because he's a college player. Like, okay, uh, he was never going to make a ton of money because he was a college player, and so after a first season, maybe he could have negotiated a bit higher than that. But because he's coming out of college, I think we didn't really have to pay him a lot of money.
0: Yeah, and then then on Wolf, what I was going to say is like it's just. I understand why he's like our first homegrown player, but for when he comes into the game to be like, Oh, Austin's first homegrown player gets in a match and like shows some results of the Academy when it was never really a part of the Academy. It was like a little bit annoying, I guess <laughs> that's, that's what I was going to add on that.
1: Yeah. He's played, um, I think like two or three games with the Academy at this point, to be fair, he is the best player in the Academy, but our academy had nothing to do with that, <laughs> right? Uh, in any case, I'm glad to see that we do have some some youth depth coming in, and that like he is developing within the team now. So I think we could still have uh, have some bragging rights if if Owen Wolf ever turns into a real player. Uh, next one, Ulysses Segura. This is one I, I wasn't really quite sure where to put it because he's not been on a match day roster all season is just now starting to train. Uh, I believe he told someone on Twitter that he would be training with the team uh starting in December and would be ready to go like by by the time preseason starts. So um is is this where you would put Ulysses Segura? Or are we positive he's gonna stick around?
0: Uh, that's one where you just have to rely on the context of 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 what he's saying. And
1: uh because he's acting like he's going to be around. He's right? acting
0: like he's going to be there. And I feel like, you know, J- Josh, when he was talking about injuries and like people who, who we, ex- I think it may be the interview with Phil, like people who were hurt, they'll be expected to see something out of. Right. Which which I think is probably also the, the same comment's going to relate to player that's going to be back that we're not excited to, that was mentioned, that not excited about in the same conversation. But he talked about Segura. Like, being back. And I think, you know, when we we watch, like, videos and stuff in the preseason, like, I was really excited about what he could bring to the club. And I feel like he's got a utility that would have helped out a lot this year when you have three games in a week and you just need, like, warm, talented bodies
1: to fill in. And he could have been a part of that. A phrase that Matt Doyle from Extra Time uses a lot is uh, eating minutes. Like, you need a player that can eat minutes. Ulysses Segura, at his worst, can eat minutes for an MLS team. I think at his best, he could be a significant contributor. But at his worst, he can rotate in and and just kind of rest guys or be that rotation player that can come in and be a competent MLS player. And we missed that a lot this year. We, we rarely had that in really any game this season was enough competent subs to bring on and and either make a difference or at least eat those minutes and just get through a game. And so having him back, will, yeah, I think, I think he's going to be a major asset. And like I said, he's, he's acting like he's going to be here. So I would imagine he will be, uh, my last person in this category is also someone who I think a lot of Austin FC fans are a little bit nervous about, which is Brad Stuver. So on not very much money, uh, after this season, probably a little bit less than he deserves. Uh, but m- we heard a rumor that they just bought a house in town and we don't know. Again, we don't know what his contract status is. We don't know how long it is. If it's a multi-year contract, then no worries. Like we'll, we'll get it taken care of. But if it is just a one-year contract, Brad Stuver is acting like he wants to stay. has said he wants to stay. And because he's on such low money, you could essentially double his salary and still be paying him less than what our backup goalkeeper makes right now. And, less than what a lot of like uh, I'd say lesser goalkeepers are making than him right now. You could almost triple it and it would still be less than some of that. So I think it's not going to be that hard to convince Brad Stewart to stick around if, even if he was on a one-year contract. Um, Did you have anyone else in that category, Jeremiah? Uh, I don't,
0: well, I want to talk about, well, I don't know. I don't know if they're going to be on your list, but I'll talk about somebody who I thought might be. And then it's, Matt Beisler. Like, mm, yeah. I would have assumed he had a more than one year deal when he came to Austin, but I also feel like he may be done playing soccer in MLS. Like, what do you, what do you think about him or where, where do you yeah. put him?
1: So I actually put him in the, in the might leave. And I kind of hope that they do. And just like, I, I respect the hell out of Matt Beisler. I think he's, uh, had a hell of a career. He played some really good minutes for Austin FC this year, but his legs are clearly going. Uh, his health is a concern at this point. If he missed this much of a season with with concussion stuff, um, I would be very surprised to see him come back at this point. And if he does, I would have major questions about whether or not he should come back. Um, and so I I wouldn't be surprised to hear that he's going to retire after this season in the next week or two. Uh, I have no information on that. That's not tipped off or anything. It's, it's just kind of guessing after not seeing him play for so long, but, um, I would be a little bit worried if, if he did come back and said, yep, I'm going to be ready to go again next season. And, and we're f- essentially taking a risk that he's going to be able to play any significant number of minutes in 2022. Are you All right, move, let's move on. Yeah, to, move to the next group. Yeah, the next group I have here is staying and I'm sad about it. Uh, I only have 3 players in this group. How many do you have? Uh, gosh, man, I only had 2. So let's see who they oh, are. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay, two of them are designated players. <laughs> <laughs> so the first one, Tomas Pochettino. You're sad about Tomas Pochettino staying? I guess I'm not. I haven't seen
0: enough out of him. And I do not believe he will be a designated player in the future to where like I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay with, I would say staying an okay on Pachettino and I forgot him.
1: That's my qualifier there. Uh, if he continues to be a designated player for us, I would be a little bit disappointed and it's all contextual, right? Like if Thomas Pochettino is making $250,000, I would think differently about this, but he's not, he's making close. To, I don't remember what it is. Six between six and $700,000 yeah. a year. And so, um, yeah, if if he were to leave, I'd be like, okay, great. We could probably spend that money again and uh, maybe do a little bit better. But I think he's he's clearly talented. I think he could still kind of turn it around a little bit. Um, But I can almost guarantee he's going to be here just because we paid money. I think this is going to be the case for several guys, but we paid money for him. Like, we paid a lot of money to bring him here, and therefore Austin FC is not going to let him just walk away unless they can recoup most or more than what they spent on him. Uh, Next guy, similar category, Rodney Redes. Did you have him there or did you have him in a different category?
0: Yeah, I forgot. I forgot about Rodney Redes. I did
1: (laughs) did not have him there. (laughs) Uh, Again, we spent a significant amount of money on him, which is why I'm almost positive he will be here next year. Uh, But his performances have not shown that he's necessarily worth that money he just had that knee surgery maybe that changes everything comes back a new man a little bit uh older a little bit more mature a little bit more experienced and healthier in 2022 I don't have a ton of faith that's going to be the case uh but I again think you, I think you said that from like your time watching him play at Waddenian right yeah preseason I wasn't super high on him and then he did really well in preseason I was like okay maybe I'll have to eat crow about this one but not so much at this point. Um but yeah, I don't I don't think he's going anywhere. He's a young prospect that they spend a lot of money on, so I don't think they're going to let him go without getting some of that money back.
0: Okay, so the other guy I think we agree on, Danny Houston, right? Oh, that's not who I
1: have there. Is that not who you have there? Okay, yeah. No. Danny Houston the other one. I put Cecilio here. Oh. And I'm I'm honestly like letting uh, like Austin FC fan <laughs> and our listener voices influence some of these picks, just because I've heard a lot of people say some of these things, but I've heard a lot of people say that like, we should get rid of Cecilio. It's it's like, okay, easier said than done. Again, we spent a lot of money on him. He's not going anywhere. Like we're not going to let him go for free unless someone comes in and gives us an offer. We can't refuse. Cecilio Dominguez is 100% going to be on this team next season.
0: So, my take on Cecilio is... Like, I mean, I'm fiercely ambivalent, I guess, at this point about Cecilio. But, I mean, I see the potential, which I know is the story of his life. Is it like people see the potential in what he can be and they give him a bunch of money and he doesn't really live up to it. And I guess it's where I am right now. It's like, yeah, when you... Like, if Cecilio at his best can make a big difference and he's a game changer. So, I just... I don't want to give up on him after one season of, of what he's done. So, I did not have him on that list. But I did have Houston on it because... He, that guy's because who's making more than uh push? if you're talking about a guy that's like made a bunch of money and hasn't contributed at all. And I don't feel like contributed that much uh, whenever he was who he was healthy. So he was my other like, I don't think we can get away from him, especially given what Josh Wolf has said, you know, because we don't know his contract terms. But he seems to put a lot of. Uh, of stake in it, Danny Houston being part of the club in 2022. So I've, I'm, I am I am going to be sad to have him back.
1: Yeah, so going back to Dominguez for a bit, I I think we've seen in the last little stretch of the season when Cecilio is playing on the wing and with some good players around him, he can look really good. And when I don't think he's he's ever going to be the guy that we can put all the weight on his shoulders. He's going to carry the team. But if you have a guy like Drucy and some other guys who are firing around him, I think he could be a really useful part of the team. So I actually still have some hope that, that Cecilio can be a useful part of the team with, uh, Huson, I put him on. I, the reason I didn't have him here is because I had him in like the might leave category because we did not spend a bunch of money on him. His salary is fairly high, but we didn't spend any money to get him. He was an exp- an expansion draft pick. So I think worst case scenario with him, if he's on a one year contract and we can just drop him at the end of the season, easy enough. He's just gone. If he is on a longer term one, like you said, Wolf has hinted at the fact that he might be back next season. And so we could see him back if we could sell him or whatever. Excellent. But if we can't, there's a buyout option within MLS that in the off season, you can buy out any player from your contract. You essentially just pay the rest of whatever their guaranteed contract was. And they're gone. and that does not affect uh, allocation money or salary budget or anything like that. That's just out of pre-court's pocket at that point. And so you we would pay Danny Hooson his salary for the remainder of his contract. And I'm guessing can't be more than another year. Uh, if it is, maybe that's that makes it more complicated. But if it's one more year, you pay him his 700 whatever thousand dollars, and he's gone and he's not your problem anymore. It doesn't affect your salary budget. So he's easier to get rid of if we want him gone, which is why I put him in the might leave. But I wouldn't be surprised to see him here next season either. Um, All right, next category. Might leave, but I kind of hope they stay. Actually, you want to do that one last so we can end on some positivity? Yeah, let's do that. Let's say might might leave. Yeah. Let's stay negative for now. Uh, Might leave, and I hope they do leave. (laughs) Uh, First on this list is a goalkeeper, Andrew Tarvell. Nothing against Andrew Tarvell. I think he's an all-right keeper. I just don't think we should be paying our backup goalkeeper that much money and could get a a competent backup keeper for quite a bit cheaper, and we could use that money elsewhere on the roster.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've got... Well, we might have to get somebody else, but we've got two of their goalkeepers hanging
1: around, too, who both might be on this list, but we'll see. <laughs> um, the next one, so might leave. We're still in the might leave, and I kind of hope they do, is Manny Perez. Did yes. you have him in that section?
0: Absolutely, I did. I mean, are we yeah. going, like, you talked about going, like, highest to lowest in this. Is that right? Is he, like, the person you second most want to see gone?
1: no I'm, okay it's less highest lowest and more like uh least controversial to most controversial okay okay gotcha yes Ab- so yeah, yeah we, we've seen enough of Paris to know that I don't think he's ever gonna add a lot to this team and we might as well take our chances with another minimum salary player and he's on a um, loan. is he is he still on a loan
0: I think was technically he? yeah I don't understand
1: I don't really it was kind of it seemed like kind of weird circumstances to me like I don't really understand what his deal is, but uh it doesn't seem like it would be someone difficult to get rid of if we didn't want him on the team anymore. Uh next one for me. I know this one might hurt some people, but Kakuta I He was I know about, he's, he was gonna be my next one too. That's why I asked about like sort of highest to lowest, because like I can yeah, feel like he's H- a lot of dead weight. He's like kind of the a nice, like fuzzy, warm story. And I, I really like the story. I like Kakuta, he seems like a great dude. But he's not very good at soccer anymore, and I don't want him on the team. He offers nothing, and um, I j- I just and he's not on that much money, right? Like he's right. He's a, a veteran minimum. Yeah, like eighty two thousand or something like that. But I again, like we know exactly what he is. There's no surprises left in w- within Cucureddi's game and. N- I don't feel like any of it's that good or adds anything to the team. So I would much rather them take a gamble on a young guy and use that, that minimum money on a, a younger player that might have some surprises left in them. And uh, yeah, take a chance there. But I I would be actually a little bit upset if Kakutamani was still on the team next year. Uh, next one I have is Jared Stroud. You like- is that con- controversial after the Kansas city game? <laughs> I mean, I feel like it's
0: controversial. I, I think a lot of people like a lot of what Jared Stroud has, has to offer. But I would see where you come from where, like, that's a guy that if if you have a deep roster, like, he shouldn't be playing very much.
1: Yeah, that's true. And I, I, there are parts of Jared Stroud's game that I really like. I, coming from Red Bull, he is, of course, a, a good defensive presence and a good presser of the ball. And so certain situations in games, I I like what Jared Stroud does. In that Kansas City game, I thought a lot of um, him and Gallagher kind of tag-teaming defensively on that right-hand side. I think they both helped each other out a lot in that regard. And so Stroud looks really good in a lot of ways, but if we're going to try to play possession ball where we're essentially uh, trying to get wingers one-on-one with guys, Jared Stroud's not going to create stuff one-on-one against the defender most of the time. And so I just don't, I, yeah, I don't know how much use he is to what Josh Wolf wants to do. Um, Yeah. If we can bring in some, he again, Stroud's not on that much money. So if we can bring in some other guys that cut his minutes down and we're not relying on Jared Stroud, I'm happy for him to be on the bench and just like a, a very specific role player kind of guy. But uh, if he's playing six significant minutes in 2022, I think Austin's going to be in trouble. Uh, my last guy in that list, the most controversial, and we've already talked about him, but Matt Beasley. So uh, that's the, all I had for that category. So I want
0: to I will add another one and we don't know anything about him, but like Aaron Schoenfeld. Oh, yeah. I mean, I guess we don't know anything about him, but I've you know, what he played, I think what he played like seven games in 2020 or something like he was not
1: a terribly. um. Yeah, he played. but They were like a pretty important role player for Minnesota in a time when they had some injured uh injured strikers and did a, did decent in those games. So I actually put him in the could leave, but I hope they stay just because I mean, if if we bring in some other strikers who push him out, I'm I'm not going to cry about that, but Schoenfeld is shown to be a perfectly capable emergency option at striker. Uh, and so real I mean, I could go either way, but I, he hasn't, I've, he's not done anything to make me think he shouldn't be here other than be hurt all year. But uh, I, yeah, I, that's one just kind of depending on what other roster moves are made. I'd be happy for him to stay if he's our third choice striker.
0: And he's also the first person that didn't get green smoke when they signed, which is forever. That's right. Forever that. Okay. And then uh, I'll bring up one more name and that is little, little Sebastian.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. This is another one that was uh, a little bit on the fence for me. So again, situational, depending on who we bring in, if little Sebastian is our second choice defensive midfielder, uh, I don't think that's, very good for us. Uh, But if he is third choice and just like an option off the bench to come in every once in a while, I'm fine with that. He's, he's on very little money. He will have home. I think he still has a homegrown designation. Doesn't he? He does. So it doesn't count towards our salary budget. So for that reason alone, and seems like seems like a good dude. The other players seem to like him. Uh, So young guy, I think he will be a decent player by the time he's fully matured. But uh, depending on who we bring in, if we can bring in someone that's like a proper six and ring and this other player can cover the six for most of the season, I'd be happy to keep him around. But if we don't do that and he's the the plan to be our number two, like our second choice, number six, then I wouldn't be very happy with that. All right. Any others that you hope leave?
0: Nope. You've covered, you've covered my list. So let's see, see who we hope stay.
1: Okay, could leave, but I hope they stay. Um, we just talked about Sebastian Berhalter, who is on loan, so he could end up going back to the crew in 2022. I believe we do have an option to buy him at the end of the season, though, so that's what we're waiting on there. Another player we have on loan is John Um I would have put him in – I mean, it seems like a guy that they would want to keep around the next season, but because of that loan deal, maybe they won't. Uh, maybe they don't. they decide he's not worth that money. Um, but I think we've seen enough from him enough promise and he's still a young guy, so he has some growing to do and needs to toughen up and get a little bit smarter defensively. But I think we've seen enough from him to, for me to want to keep him around and, uh, exercise that by option. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I agree with that. And I'm guessing is there other left back on that same list too. Cause I think that one thing would help John Coleman is having been sweat around to both learn from and split minutes with.
1: Yeah, he's next on my list is Ben Sweat. Um, the reason why I have him on the could leave is because Ben Sweat has now played for two consecutive expansion teams. And so, I mean, we didn't take him in the expansion draft, right? Didn't we trade for him? We did, right. Okay, so yeah, we didn't take him in the expansion draft, but he seems like the guy, if you... we'll We'll do this on a future show as well, but... Austin will get to protect probably 12 players in the expansion draft. And I'm not sure Ben Sweat makes that list, right? So it's p- completely possible that Ben Sweat gets taken in the expansion draft and is playing for Charlotte next year. Um I hope he sticks around. I I thought he looked decent in the preseason games we saw and the was it just one MLS game that he played in? Well,
0: one in like yeah, one game in twenty something
1: minutes in Denver, if I remember. Okay, right. so he got hurt in Denver. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I thought he looked decent. And again, yeah, just to have uh, a more veteran presence, a more defensive presence to to spell Colemanich there and kind of rotate in and out there. Uh, I, I'll i be very happy to have him back next season. Uh, next on my list, John Gallagher.
0: I feel like I I love that guy. And he's the, he's the guy I'm most worried about not coming back. That yeah. he's going to get more money somewhere else or he's going to get Uh, be unprotected in the expansion draft and get picked by somebody. But yeah, for sure. He's, he's my number one worry about who we're going to get back. Who would like to have.
1: Yeah. Same. He's, he's high on that list for me as well. I think again, like if John Gallagher is being relied upon to play a lot of minutes next season, maybe it's not a great sign, but I really like having him as an option off the bench. And especially that versatility shown, being able to play right back and played some striker played on the wing. Uh, uh yeah, I, I wouldn't mind having him. He just seems like a good dude too. I really like him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, next on my list, Orrin McKenzie Gaines the second. No, the third. Is he the third? Is he the third? I think that may be right. I don't know if I put enough eyes at the end of the name here. No, the second. Orrin McKenzie Gaines the, the second. Okay. Yeah. Orrin McKenzie Gaines the second. Um, this is another kind of conditional one. Like he's on a minimum contract. I would imagine it's just a one year contract based on the the circumstances in which he was signed Uh, I think very easily see him leave but I think we've seen enough utility out of him that if we get rid of some of our other winger options that we could keep him around and uh, his speed alone he's one of the fastest players in MLS and in world soccer to that like to that point but uh, I would I wouldn't mind having him stick around and and being kind of that role-player winger that we we see get a few minutes here and there uh next one i have no real reason for this one but brady scott uh <laughs> do we think he'll even be on the roster next year or do we see him get loaned again
0: uh i think well i think he'll be he may get loaned again but he'll be with the team so i think he fits in this category like yeah so he- he'll still
1: still be like on the austin fc like he'll still belong to austin fc right but well, maybe not be on any game day rosters But you said he's not playing it much, even in the USL. Is that right? He hasn't had a ton of appearances. I think it's like fewer than 10 this whole season. So even with, uh, is he, he's in Memphis, right?
0: I remember. I thought he was in Birmingham. Is he not the one that's Uh, in Birmingham?
1: I think that's where Cleman was. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Okay. I think, I don't know. I think, I think Brady Scott's at Memphis, but in any case, he's not played a ton. So honestly, maybe I'd rather see him get loaned out again either to the same team if he's going to get minutes there or someone where he is going to get some games under his belt because that's what a young keeper needs is to play. And so I don't know that he's much use to us as the third string or second string next year if he hasn't been playing at all this year. So uh, hopefully alone there, but keepers take a little bit longer to bake. So we might not really see many returns off of that one for for a while. Uh, Next one is Hector Jimenez. Do you think what what do you think about him? first of all, do you think that he's gonna be here?
0: I mean, he's I know I remember he was really uh connected to Columbus and but really connected to Josh <laughs> Wolf too. I remember I think when we had um I can't remember who now. The Columbus guy. When we when we played them on oh, the show.
1: The, the writer, yeah, from yeah. I can't remember his name right now, but I am okay. talking about <laughs> <laughs>
0: he. You know, he talked about that connection that he had with Wolf. So, I mean, I can see if he's if he's going to keep playing, that he would keep playing in Austin.
1: Yeah, I am. I am not necessarily worried about him wanting to stay here. I am worried about like maybe the club. Whether, whether we want him. to let him go, yeah. he's kind of that profile of player that uh, ends up playing for like nine different clubs during their MLS career, and so I could see they've talked about wanting to bring in some depth at fullback, so I could see them. Saying that, okay, we've got Lima and Kolmanich and sweat on the roster, and we've got this other guy that we want to bring in that maybe he gets pushed off and isn't doesn't get kept around. I think his uh, his contract status could could drastically change what that looks like, but uh, I think one of his strengths is that he can play on either side. He can play left, right or left, back or right back. And so I, I think for that reason, and also he seems like to be, seems to be a really good locker room presence, speaks English and Spanish really well. And so I think he seems to be valuable for a lot of other reasons aside from being a starting fullback. So I would like to see him stick around, but I think there's a decent chance that he's not around. Uh, next on the list, Freddie Kleeman.
0: So how do you, uh, why do you think he might not be back?
1: just because uh i mean he's a draft pick right like draft yep. picks historically don't stick around super long uh he hasn't played much this year and so if we're making some moves at center back and like wolf clearly doesn't really trust him to play there's many opportunities late in the season where we're thin on center backs and he Went out of his way not to put him into games, and so I don't know that Wolf really thinks much of him. And because he's on very little money, uh, like easily easily replaceable, I guess is is the category he falls in 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 my eyes anyway. Uh, I want him to stick around just for the memes, essentially, <laughs> because of how much Chris Wellhausen loves him and because of uh, his. His parents being like involved in some of the fan culture stuff. I think it would be fun to keep him around, just because it would, yeah, it would just be fun. But as far as soccer goes, I don't know how useful he is, and I think he could very easily not be on the roster. Do you? Do you think otherwise? Do you think he? No, I just will be here. I mean, maybe,
0: maybe I'm like I I haven't understood the sunk cost like you know theory yet, but I mean, he was the eleventh, it's the eleventh pick in the first round of the super draft. I feel like that we would get more than he would get more than one year's worth of a shot, but I mean, that comes a little bit to like Claudio's like Claudio and Josh and like, maybe Claudio thought he'd be a good addition to the roster and now Josh doesn't trust him. And so we'll just, we'll see how that plays out.
1: Yeah. I just see like super draft picks below like the top five are fairly expendable. Historically speaking, like,
0: but but didn't we trade? Didn't we like trade? That's we had to like make a deal to get to select him, right? Because he was the
1: eleventh pick. Oh, he was part of the Kamal Miller trade. So we took Kamal Miller in the expansion draft, and then traded him. And what we got in return was two hundred fifty thousand dollars and the eleventh pick in the expansion draft. And Freddie Kleeman turned into that pick. So I just feel like with
0: where like and if I remember right, we like we picked him well before people thought that he would go so i feel like there was some amount of interest we had in freddie Cleman that we wouldn't just give up on after one season because of like that combination yeah, of facts
1: it's a season of mls experience that maybe that opinion has changed at this point i mean that's fair so i don't know yeah it, either way he might still be here but i wouldn't be surprised if he wasn't um uh, next is aiden stanley um, do you think that he's going to stick around? I
0: just I don't have a like a strong opinion on Aiden Stanley either way. Like maybe he'll stick around, maybe he won't. Maybe I'll be sad about it, like, maybe I'm not. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I feel like he and Clemen are both going to be um uh, victims or benefactors of what happens to the rest of the roster and who else they're able to find to come in. If they can find someone who they think has a higher upside or think is a bit more useful and it's between them, that new person, and Aiden Stanley for that last roster spot, Aiden Stanley might get the axe. But if they don't make that deal work or whatever happens and there is a spot for him on the bottom of the roster, maybe he sticks around. So (laughs) Totally buy that. That's why I have him on this list is that I don't think he's done anything to to really change my mind one way or another, that he definitely should stay or definitely should go. But um, yeah, I think he's definitely going to be one of the last names on on the roster as they're making moves uh the very last one i have on my list here well i have aaron schoenfeld we already talked about him a bit uh will pulisic and as for no other reason no other reason but that he's christian pulisic's cousin and i just think that's kind of fun
0: (laughs) yeah again somebody else that he's just he's a guy with a name and maybe
1: his last name makes him more appealing generally than not but we have to have three goalkeepers, so the third one might as well be Christian Pulisic's cousin. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, I think that's everybody, right? Did you have anybody else? Nope. That we missed? No, I hope that's everybody. I think we got through all All of them. right. Well, if history has taught us anything, it's that we're going to get all of these wrong. <laughs> <laughs> right. Hey, uh, I mean, since we're at it, Josh Wolf.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> we spent Josh a minute Wolf. on that. What do you think?
1: Yeah, as much as some people either don't like it or think that it's a possibility that he's gonna be gone, I would be willing to bet my house on the fact that he's gonna be our coach next year.
0: I, I will agree with that too. I know and we've heard some some rumors that maybe some, you know, people are interviewing potential coaches or whatever, or talking to potential coaches in the future. But yeah, like it's Josh Will's roster. Through at least the middle of next season, and I think it should be too. I mean, there's it was a weird year, and a lot's going on. Um, but you know, we'll we'll see how that turns out. Also,
1: yeah. All right, let's uh, move into a few other pieces of Austin FC news before we wrap up. So, one of them is a player rumor. It's an entirely unsubstantiated player rumor, but uh, was sparked by a tweet from. Uh, one of the co-hosts of Total Soccer Show and friend of the show. He's actually been on our show before, Joe Lowry. And so Joe Lowry tweeted, uh, if you're trying to build a possession-based MLS team and you have the cash to pay him, you can't do much better than Madron as a midfield distributor. And this was a quote tweet uh, about Alvaro Madron, who is a Chicago Fire player. And the Fire have announced that they're not going to pick up his option for next season. Uh, has been on the record as kind of being coy about his future. So there's rumors about him going back to Spain or maybe sticking around in MLS. And he didn't really, uh, nix either of those ideas, but he is a 27 year old Spanish midfielder. He, uh, played for real Madrid's Academy teams and for like their B and C teams and then played for the Valencia first team. He had some loan spells for both of those, but has 77 La Liga appearances, which isn't nothing for an MLS player. Um, he's kind of like a just like a really classy number eight, like really smooth on the ball, passes the ball really well, can score a goal. Um, but yeah, I think what Joe Lowry said is like if you're trying to build possession. A possession game, which is what Josh Wolf says he wants to do, I think this would be a good fit. The question is, would it even be possible so uh he's on a million dollars for Chicago this season. I can't imagine he would be willing to take a pay cut. He would probably want a bit of a raise, given the fact that he's twenty seven years old and has actually been pretty good for the last few years as bad as Chicago has been, he individually has played pretty well um so this is a theory that I'm gonna steal from. Chris Wellhouse and Taylor Rudolph, they're discussing this on Twitter. And I think they kind of figured out the way that we could make it happen. And so here's what it would need to look like Tomas Pacitino, our lowest paid designated player at this point. We would need to buy him down with Tam to make him no longer a designated player. We could then sign Alvaro Madron as our third designated player given that he stays below the TAM threshold, he would need to be on a low enough salary that we could buy him down with TAM if we needed to, because we're using all three of our U22 initiative spots. Uh, If we sign a third senior designated player, we'd only be able to use one of those. So because we already have them filled, that third DP spot either needs to be cheapish or a young DP below the age of 23. So Alvaro Madron, we we could afford to give him a raise, make him a DP, and still be below that TAM threshold where he would fit the criteria of what we need that third designated player to be. So it's not impossible. And the fact that we're not having to pay uh, a transfer fee makes it even more possible. He's, he's the type of player that his transfer fee would put him well above that threshold. But because he's a free agent and we could get him for free, it would make it possible. So I... Again, completely unsubstantiated, but I'm like kind of excited about this now, and hope we can make it work because I think he would fit into the into this system really well. Yeah. So yeah, all that to say,
0: it's a lot of MLS math, and we don't <laughs> we don't re- we have no idea. Which is this going to be the beauty of the off season? Is we get back to like we get back to speculating about all this kind of stuff and seeing where people can slot in and seeing where they can make our team better. Um, in in dream, uh, up until up until players get signed and then we
1: are faced with a reality. Yeah. I think it's also worth pointing out that, uh, I think a lot of people kind of have the mentality of just like, well, just go get this player. Just like, go get him. It's like, well, he's a human with free will as well. And right. Probably has a lot of other options. And there's other, if he wants to stay in MLS, there's other teams who are going to be looking at him as well. So, uh, just because Claudio Reina calls him, doesn't mean he's on our team now. like, He's gonna have options. So there's gonna be competition for this one.
0: Yep. For sure. Um, I want to couple cover a couple of events too. So uh one is these uh Aaron Rockland, who I think we've interviewed on this show before or on some version of this show. Yeah, we did. Um on Soccer Assist, he's got his annual event on November 19th. You can go to soccerassist.org to buy tickets to that. They will use that money to build well, once it's at Q2 Stadium and the Lexus Club, which is kind of cool. Um, and two, they will use the proceeds from that to build um, those uh, futsal mini courts uh, all around Austin. And then three, La Murga is going to play. Um, and there's also a Talking Heads cover band. I don't know. I don't know what your opinion on the Talking Heads Ooh. is, but it's called Heart. I'm a big Talking okay. Heads fan. <laughs> it's called Heartburn. And it's spelled B-Y-R-N-E. B-Y-R-N-E. And uh, apparently they're a really good Talking Heads cover, sp- cover bands. So. You will be on your way to Ireland, I believe. Yeah. But for people... I'm going to have to miss this one.
1: I'll be on an airplane to
0: Ireland. But for people who are listening, you should check that out. And then the other one is uh, the Stuvers, their laundry project... Project, because I don't think about words before I say them. (laughs) uh, They're going to have, I think, two different locations on uh, the next day, on November 20th. So they're looking for volunteers and they're looking for funding... Um, to help support that and the laundry project is where they do laundry for people who can't necessarily afford to do it um, in order to give back to the community
1: all right anything else we want to cover before we wrap up jeremiah
0: no i think we should yeah let's go ahead and wrap it up and um get on to next week
1: all right so we'd like to remind you to rate review and subscribe wherever you get your podcast we've seen Quite a few new ones come in over the last several weeks. I kind of didn't look at it for a while and then went back and read through them all. And thank you so much for for leaving those for us. Some of them are really nice. So thanks for leaving those. Uh, if you want to continue the conversation, you can find us on Twitter at harrow 87 and jbentley underscore ATX. And also, I've gotten a few messages. Uh, we got a DM on, on Instagram and then another one through email so if you aren't on social media and you want to send us a question or a thought or tell us we suck or that we're great whatever on our website now there's actually a way to send an email in and so if you go to moontowersoccer.com there's like a contact area and you can actually send us an email there so like i said if you're not on social media come find us there and we can still interact that way um we'd like to encourage you to visit the striker texas website jeremiah what should folks read this week so i have
0: a good article uh Chris Bills wrote a really excellent article on three takeaways from the Austin FC season ending loss in Portland that really highlighted some of the stuff that we talked about um, and also highlighted the amazing traveling support and what uh, Austin FC fans have managed to create in a year we weren't, which we weren't very good. And so I'd encourage you to check that article out and read up um, you know, on, the, on that.
1: Agreed. I thought that one was really good. Uh, thanks so much for listening, everybody. We'll be back in one week with a new episode of Moon Tower Soccer where we won't recap any matches because there's no matches to recap. But uh, we'll talk to Phil West and do a little preview of the MLS playoffs. And then we'll have some other stuff to talk about that we haven't quite decided yet. But <laughs> like we said, there's going to be plenty to talk about in the coming weeks. So join us again then. Until then, I'm Landon Cottom.
0: I'm Jeremiah Bentley.
1: We'll catch you next time. When no one is around. Muchas gracias. Bye, bye.